Hi, everybody. Welcome to our patron-requested episode. Today we'll be talking about the Beastie Boys' project, Paul's Boutique, as per DJ Black Hurricane's request. Mm -hmm. My name is Holden Stepan Roy. I am your lady friend, Bonnie. And today we'll be going through every single song, track by track. Well, at least the first half of the album in this video. Yeah, we won't miss a single one. Of the Beastie Boys classic in after the fact album because i think it wasn't such a classic perceived at first anyway of their album <laughs> paul's boutique beastie right. boys paul's boutique that's what we're talking about full album review. Paul's boutique part one Woo! ready to go beastie we are boys. ready to go that's right this folks. is the classic west <laughs> podcast this is what we do over here sure is we talk um we anyway talk. so we are super excited to be here today um we're going to get into it real soon. We just like to invite all of your comments in the beginning Come because it's like a conversation and then we'll say stuff and then you'll want to say stuff and then you can and then we'll answer you and we'll have chit chats. And then we'll just be nonstop stuff all over the place. All over the place. And, and just to show how much we care, we like to shine light on our favorite comment of last week's video. Last week, what project did we talk about? Well, we did last week, uh, Crumpet Company Flows, Fun Crusher Plus. And on that, we got a massive comment from the same dude who requested this very album review. Well, son of a gun, would you look at that? Mr. DJ Black Hurricane <laughs> was one of several. Now, nice. I don't say this to bring negative anything. This is amazing to me. I look forward to this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just great. So y'all can hit pause and read the whole thing because I'm not going to do that as much anymore, the whole thing. But Legends is one of my favorite scratching sessions ever in hip-hop at the end of LP's verse. Mr. Lay Cuts actually inspired me to scratch myself specifically because of his song. It's because, you know, what he's been doing on Instagram for years. And you should check him out. He's very fun to follow on Instagram. Yeah. Um, but for real, like, just hearing something like that to me is super cool. Like, just adds more almost value or interest into it just to see how an album or a song or a particular thing impacts somebody else so substantially is very cool to me anyway i enjoy these comments a lot so i'm hoping yep. that he promises like essays on this particular video series so yeah exciting <laughs> i know i sound the way i sound but that's because i had a cold lately and that's just what it is yeah before we jump up into it Special thanks in advance to the patrons. This is Milka Damsey, Chris Browder, Jonathan Barnes, E.J. Black, Hurricane, Linda Williams, Connie Sparks, and Scribble. Shout them out while you're watching because, yo, they're the important people. Yep. And, uh, Bonnie, what project uh, did DJ Black Hurricane want us to be talking about today? Well, once more, we are doing Beastie Boys Paul's Boutique, which came out or was released um, July 25th, 1989. So it's a nice, uh, you know, throwback one. It's good. That's true. Um, which is also really cool. Uh, this is the part of the show that we would like to contextualize our familiarity with the particular artist that we are uh, talking about. In this case, is the Beastie Boys. Mm -hmm. um, it is worth mentioning that we did do License to Ill way back when we were like much younger reviewers a couple <laughs> of years ago. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the like to dislike ratio is not as high as I would like it to be, but it did. It if is. you want, you can go and like it if you didn't already. Yeah. Huh? But you can give it a watch. It would show like a, a stark contrast in terms of how far we've come, I suppose. Because lots of people are like, this album is seminal and great. Y'all don't get it. And I'm like, no, we Which didn't get fair. it. Which is fair. It's probably true. I, I don't watch the old ones because I'm pretty sure they're embarrassing. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, either way, it would probably be a cool 
video if you did care about the Beastie Boys, just mm -hmm. letting you know. But for me, it's like they're Jewish. I'm Jewish. That was cool right away. But like, I've always thought it was just fascinating that right there in like 1985 or whatever, when right around when License to Ill comes to be, like that these three Jews end up being such a integral part to like the beginning of hip hop in the way that it was. Who I mean, thunk? like it really is if you like think about it, just this random anomalous fact that's like thrown into it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, I've been reading up a whole bunch of stuff just because I was super curious, like on the Beastie Boys and in general, because I, I don't know. Um, but like they seem to have made Paul's Boutique just as like a context thing, um, as almost like a, a stark contrast to License to Ill. They were particularly unhappy of how the people that like, they were trying to mock with uh, Fight for Your Right to Party were like kind of championing the songs. So they like missed the point of the situation. Like they, they were making fun of these jockey douchey types and you know, that's kind of went in a way they didn't like. I got the feeling from what I've learned that they weren't necessarily thrilled with Rick Rubin to the point where it's rumored or it, it said that uh, in various inter uh, publications, according to what I found on Reddit, that um, they want that Rick Rubin wanted to kick Mike D out of the group because he was a little too geeky and not quite the image. Mm -hmm. um, they pressured them to kick out the drummer lady, although she was kind of happy to not be necessarily on stage with some of these songs that they ended up producing. But overall, they weren't thrilled with, I guess, the image and pressure and everything. Like I read this interview where once they like showed up at one of the early shows and they got a bunch of Puma sweatsuits and they didn't like, they felt so dumb and silly, like performing in it. And like, so then with the Paul's boutique, they were like almost had broken up as a group because of their just disinterest in everything. And yeah. again, I'm just giving like my short, what I'm remembering in this moment version. And then, uh, they linked up with the dust brothers and, uh, the Dust Brothers had basically composed most of the music for this project to independent uh, to independently release, like as an instrumental tape. And the Beastie Boys seem to have convinced them to turn this into what we now have as Paul's Boutique. Hmm. Um, but yeah, as far as uh, my familiarity with them goes, it's like I knew who they were in terms of a lot of the classic songs, like white people like the beastie boys so you hear a lot of classic beastie boy songs at white yep. people events as in like you couldn't go anywhere without intergalactic like everybody i know anywhere well, anybody that also like like especially if you, you grew up in like the 90s and you know like that was like your heyday and stuff like that and like you know that's when like the, you know or the 80s and the 90s like if you're you know maybe again like you're you know, late 30s, early 40s, or, you know, whatever it is, um, then I think that that's, like, you know, if you're having, like, a wedding or a party or, like, a yeah. work event, I feel like, Somehow, yeah, definitely. Beastie like. Boys is safe wedding music. Mm -hmm. But, like, for real, everybody likes Intergalactic. I mean, um, even, because, like, even the people who don't like hip-hop, because I find that there's this list of hip-hop tracks that people who don't like hip-hop love and know all the words to, and Intergalactic is absolutely on that list. You go find people... Be like, oh, I fucking hate hip hop. Play them Gangsters Paradise, Intergalactic, a couple <laughs> of others, and they're absolutely fucking start spitting. And they'll sound good. They'll have flow. And you'll be like, I thought you don't like rap. Oh, I don't like rap. It's just this song, you know, Dangerous Mind. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's, it's the Beastie Boys. It's not the same thing. Like, Whatever. Fuck out of here. But, um, 
I thought it was just interesting. It was like I didn't really know their cultural significance or their history or anything really. Even when we did License to Ill, I didn't really understand a lot of it. But most importantly, what I didn't understand, and uh, I guess DJ Black Hurricane through his endless uh, comments has helped, uh, I guess, change my perception on is the production side of the samples yeah. and how brilliantly the sounds were put together. So all of that's completely lost on the License to Ill review per se. But in this case, like... Um, I went as far as to actually watch a video breaking down the samples used on this project before mm. going into it. Don't expect like crazy insight. It's just, just like listening to it all put together. So like, hearing them rap over that like series of instrumentals was just so fascinating. Um, but like, I knew check it out. Like to check, to check, check, check that song because it dropped when I was in high school. I know like their hits. Everybody knows their hits. Yep. What about you? Um. Well, like I mean, I've known them since like I was in elementary school um i don't remember like what age maybe like i feel like grade two grade three grade four like somewhere like in that range um like i just remember uh, i feel like i probably mentioned this exact same story um on license to ill um i feel like there was it was like all the boys just played like girls um and like so like that's the song that I remember the most um <laughs> but uh I definitely remember one of the songs on this album um which we'll get to but um yeah I mean they've always sort of been featured and again I have um two older sisters that are like 10 and 12 years um older than me so they this was their heyday this was who they you know grew up listening to they were in high school um you know, like around the time that like these guys were popping and, you know, well, not popping, but like their extended career, <laughs> um, you know, was like happening. But at that time, especially and they were young and um, like I think that, you know, at least one of my sisters, I'm pretty sure went and had continues, you know, continued to go to like their concerts and stuff for a few years. Um, so I think that's kind of cool. So like that's kind of why I have um like a general sort of like knowledge of like their hits at, at the very least because I you know I would hear them you know here and there and my sister listens to like you know kind of uh, one of the you know how would you describe the buzz <laughs> like radio stations yeah they would get play on alternative rock radio stations I yeah, think that's, rock, there you that's go. a really good point that's a part of how I know all their hits is because I would drive around and listen to that very same radio station yeah. and they would play a fuck ton of Beastie Boys hits yeah so definitely oh, every, shit. I, and, I, and they still do because because every time I'm in the car and my sister puts on the buzz, uh, this radio station that we get to here. To be fair, it's trash now. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's, it's all is, just like is, 90s is, music now at this point. In a very so big simplification, alt-rock in the modern era has a lot of electronic components to it where it's a weird genre. Hip-hop, it turns out, is, out, is, is not dying. So it's interesting that the Beastie Boys fit with that... Um, well, they started kind of as like, like a they, punk like, band, though, yeah, right? Yeah, like, so that they, it seems like people have a hard time placing them in one um, genre because, you know, they sound like a white guy. Like, they sound very much well, like a white guy. I'm going to say like, that after this, 
I don't know. Like, I know that they have a very hip-hop sound on a lot of their stuff. It was really, like, licensed to had a lot of heavy metal or sounds put into it. This album has some stuff, but, like, oh, this album's all over, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And then, like, I mean, Intergalactic's weird and spacey, but I think it's just that they have this cult status amongst mm-hmm. people my age, and it just worked. Like, it's, and I, I don't know. It just, it's stuff that I haven't looked a lot into, but I'm sure y'all watching this have way bigger and more thorough opinions on this kind of subject. So you can let us know in the comments what you think, who they were actually targeting and whatnot. But I definitely know that all white people I know of my age and older up until a point really like the same like 15 Not Beastie Boys songs. Not that we're like songs. pigeonholing anybody like into like, you know, this age range did it. I'm just applying like the, Boys, the typical generalizations but... that make these conversations possible, yeah. and with the common assumption that it doesn't apply to every individual, because I just assume that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Either way, I love the cover because I believe that's the actual Paul's boutique. It is, and it's just fucking on simple. Ludlow Street in Manhattan. And so. It's just fucking blunt and to the point. And I almost like the fact that there's not even, like, a Beastie Boys cop, like, uh, anything about them on it. Like, it's just stripped back. It's just this photograph of Paul's Boutique. I like that because it's, like, setting a scene. It's showing you, you know, you could because you kind of get, like, a visual of where these guys are from. Like, here's a block. Like, maybe, you know, this is where we go. We go to Paul's Boutique, like, to chill and hang out and, like, get our stuff, whatever. Um, or it's just like we but walk also, by it every day or something. It's obviously relevant to them. I'm not sure like how it's relevant to them, but it's obviously a part of something significant in their life. I think you they like they like got hooked up or whatever from them or at some point. I'm not really sure again. But yeah, let us know if you know, please. I mean, I'm, I know it's on the wiki page, yeah, so we it, can just check that and yeah, then we'll, we'll let you know and <laughs> not be lazy. But I love the fact that they shouted out something like that because it's like taking your platform and, and doing something community-based. Like, mm-hmm. it's really literally advertising something in the community. Yep. So I thought that was pretty dope. Y'all can let me know what you think about that as well. I like the title because it's ambiguous as fuck and it's, I never really understood it until i looked into this project at all anyway we can get into it there's a bunch of tracks we're gonna treat the last track which is like nine songs on spotify but like it's one as far as i understand it's real thing so just we'll establish that right away so we're gonna do that two parts we're gonna split it halfway through and in the meantime to all the girls it's apparently a fictional store it's not a real store but the least sportswear is a real store I wow, think. son of a gun. There you go. Anyway, that's the best I could do with as far as I was willing to Google at this point in time. But let's, let's get the elephant out of the room on this track. You hit play, and you're like, where the fuck's the song? Yep. I don't know if that was on the vinyl or whatever, but it looks like from like a mixing point of view, they started it at zero, and then super fucking slowly like increased the volume. Yep to the point where you're like what the fuck and then you crank your volume all the way up to try to hear what the fuck's happening and then it just gets louder and louder and louder like ah fuck and then you have to like <laughs> turn it all the way back down and i'm like that sounds like some shit you do when you're really high and you're trying to fuck with stoners in the 80s because they would do shit like that okay they actually would make like for stoner uh comedy albums and stuff like national lampoon or somebody like that did this where they would record side a and then they would have like on the second side a side 
B and C, and depending on where you put the needle, it would play either one, so that when you got to side B and you flipped it, and you would call up your friends and ask them about the record, half the people would have heard one version, half the people would have heard the other, everyone was stoned and tripping out, like, what the fuck? <laughs> and so, yeah, anyway, um, it just kind of reminded me of that. Mm, okay. And then it just has the samples playing through. It's really, like, groovy, and... You just have, I think, uh, MCA, it might be. It's just like, yeah, it's all the Brooklyn girls. It's all the French girls. And he just, like, fucking says that. And just this shout-out kind of going through. And it's just kind of goofy, right? Just all these different kinds of girls, the Toplin, topless dancers. And then he ends it with the stewardesses flying around the world. And it's just like this aloof aloof introduction to this album where you're like and it's like this calm jazzy vibe yep um i think it's sampling idris mohammed's oh fuck what's it called lauren's dance and you can hear that like in the background that anyway i think it's like the actual lead uh is the like the the piano part is the sample interesting i might be wrong Y'all can correct anything and get wrong. I'm trying here. I'm trying to learn how to put this together. But it's fascinating because at least like, because you know what's interesting? We were talking about just on the Brad Nubian review. Uh, the production was sounded so like whatever. This album came out a year before the the Brad Nubian review. And let's be right. real. The production on this project is like in a league of its own. I'm not trying to diss the production on Brad Nubian. That work for the sound it's going for. Yeah. But in terms of like, let's say, pushing like a frontier into like fucking weird ass territory where you could go back to that shit like 20 30 years later and be like that was fucking interesting i'm gonna have to say that paul's boutique had some production work here that was quite fucking fascinating as we go through the project and even just that choice of having it start with silence and then build up into something like again i just picture stoners tripping the fuck out and getting (laughs) fucked with with the volume just to get this like goofy nothing like this goofy nothing intro that's just so like calm and casual almost like mocking like those jazzy elevator music to all the whatevers i'm so suave and whatnot and it's like he just doesn't sound suave he sounds goofy i like it um i thought it was a fantastic little introduction here it's smooth it's a 4.25 on five Yeah, I mean, uh, that's what it is. It's only uh, what, a minute 29. Um, it's nice. It's slow. Like you said, it's jazzy. And it's just to to all the girls around the world uh, from different countries, different nationalities, different types of girls that maybe they encountered, such as stewardesses and topless dancers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice. I mean, I have no complaints about it. He's, you know, he's de- dedicating this album to all the ladies. And I'm I'm okay with that. Um, I gave it a 4.75. I liked it. I have I like the the you know the escalating volume or the um, you know in like actual music terms it's like what is it the I remember accento or something I don't know it was something in in Italian <laughs> um, where you know like where like the music rises if you're a music person like who actually knows what the hell you're okay. talking about we can Google these things yeah crescendo or something I don't know you you know what I'm you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Anyways, 4.75. I like it. Awesome. The next track on the album seems to be to follow up up the message to all the ladies. Yep. 
<laughs> okay, so it's crescendo because again, see, Google's I, a real I knew thing. what I was talking we about. We didn't sort need of. you. We could have googled that easy peasy, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, can we just stop here for a quick second? We can. I'd like to just run through a little list here. Go ahead. These are all sorts of shit. So in the drum samples, we have Alfonso Muzan's 1974 song "Funky Snake Foot." Um, then there's Harvey Scales' 1979 song "Dancing Room Only." This is all courtesy of Genius. So if something's wrong, that Genius guy. Blame it on them. Um, then there's Louis Belson, Shelley Maines, Willie Bobo, and Paul Humphrey's song Super Mellow from 1975. The drum fill sample heard at the end of the first verse is taken from Thin Lizzy's 1976 song Johnny the Fox Meets Jimmy the Weed. So that's like one, two, three, four songs that comprise the different drum samples that they put together all from. And if you really listen... Which is kind of crazy and because it, it doesn't sound... But you gotta like understand, like, like, and I've never really done this much. Maybe you should say, maybe you could say that this long into a hip hop review channel, I should have cared more about samples. Hey, I'm a lyrics guy, but like, just listening to like these songs individually, and then hearing the beat put together after was such an ethereal experience, right? Because like, when you really now, now when I'm picturing this crates thing, right, where you're like going through it, it's like you're hearing some obscure ass song in a genre you probably don't even listen to. And you're hearing some fucking sound and you're like, oh, that drum right there, that's it. And it's going to mix with this other shit and this other shit. And it's just also different. It's very well done. Then there's the instrument samples, right? So I got four things. Uh, we got the funky guitar riff is Ronnie Lewis's. 1975 song tell me something good mm -hmm. i'm probably not going to do this for every single song although maybe i should but there's like entire youtube videos that could just give it way more justice i'm just trying to illustrate the point um the funky bass sample comes from and this that's how they're describing it i'm shit with that stuff uh ronnie law's 1975 song yo yo the other guitar riff song comes from ro royce's 1976 song born to love you the low grinding sin song can be heard after each verse was taken from rose royce's song six o'clock let's rock so two separate tracks on that rose royce album got mm -hmm. used here it's a bunch more then there's a bunch of vocal samples that get like <laughs> cut into it so like i was i was reading this hip-hop america book by a short no, nelson george that's who it's by it's fucking cool because he was talking about shit like how this funky four plus ones that's the joint was used so i'm hearing it in this other video i'm realizing this shit's used all over like when you start like seeing the sample sources you're like no shit and like all these other beats that use all these particularly like popularized samples all over at the same time and it was like it was like unlocking this pandora's fucking box of like stimuli and under like just seeing how much is taken from these records and whatnot anyway so i heard the four plus one that's the joint shit that's a vocal sample you can tell when they go that's the joint that's <laughs> that one um they also have the shake ya rumpa from the african bamata and james brown song unity part two i feel two like that's like coming like so like significant like yeah. i like that's what i remember 
Then there's a Just Like This that you can hear. That's a DJ scratch break taken from the B-Boys 1983 song at the house. The hoo-ha got a bomb and check, which I didn't even realize was a sample. I mean, I knew like, <laughs> but I mean, I probably did because I think we did that Buster Ryan sample. I think and so. I probably had the same epiphany, but I never really heard the, the, the Sugar Hill Gang's Eighth Wonder or whatever. I never like heard the original before. And then I did. And I was like, no shit. And then Buster Rhymes made it like super popular. And there's all of these things. There's like what? Like more than 10 separate sources that like were put together by Dust Brothers. I mean, maybe the Beastie Boys is involved also. I don't really know how much. But like there's just so much that went into this instrumental that creates such a diverse and a live experience as like you're going through it and you're listening to this track that like i don't know like seven eight listens later you're still like shake y'all you just want to keep listening to it again because it's it's cool but the other side is man the beastie boys are weird ass rhymers <laughs> at this point like i get it it's the 80s it's not like goofier shit but like like i don't have that much to even comment on their bars except that i remember one time i asked like when people were like going back and forth and then apparently the beastie boys had just been like back and forth on each other the whole way through so that's just always been part of it but like i mean it's like now rock a house party at the drop of a hat not beat a butter down with an aluminum bat a lot of people they'd be judging us to hear us ride the mic they'd be staring at the radio staying up all night I'm like, all right, it's pretty okay braggadocious hip-hop. Like, it's not stellar or amazing, but just because the words aren't necessarily stellar or amazing, and I'm not saying they're bad, I'm saying that compared to, like, we just do company flow, right? Like, just... Yeah. So, like, but the delivery is, is so on point. It's so tight, like, nah, I rock a house part. And just, like, the way they <laughs> accentuate and the way they just play on timing and stuff, uh, everything just syncs all perfectly. Yep. I cannot undersell enough. Like, I just, it's just so great, you know, like, how well put together. I feel like you haven't even talked at all in this. Yeah, that's true. You can finish up, though. I mean, you should talk. And then I'll finish up. Okay. Um, like, this is this is a song that I know. This is a song that, like, I feel like I've known for a long time. I don't know when I first heard it, but I just know that I've, I know this song. Um, and, like, so I was, you know, excited to, like, listen to it. Um, it's been a long time. Um, and it definitely has, like, that, you know, Beastie Boys classic sound to it, like, right away. Um, or maybe it's the Dust Brothers. I don't know if it, or just the combination of both of them, but, like, it just works. Um, and it sounds like nothing else. And it's always so, like, nostalgic to listen to that and I think that that's like it's just fun like I just enjoy listening to it um and like the beat and like like the production is great on this song so so well made um I love like the drumming and how it's all mixed in like that you touched on I really enjoyed that I do you know I'm a drummer in my soul um you know <laughs> in my like three like, drumming classes I took like you know anyways uh, like, you know, it's always what I wanted to do. So, um, it's really good and it gets your head going. Um, and like there's cheering, like at the end mixed in and it's just like all these different things. And I didn't know that like the shake, um, the shake your rump part was from a James Brown and Africa Bombasta like song. So I, I was like, wow, I'm like, that's james brown there he is again he's always you know representing i love it um you know so i think that's great um and like the, the rapping you know like you said it's basically about them being sick on the mic 
um, you know, that they're the best and, you know, here we are, we're going to hear the best and that's what this is going to be. And for me, I think that this one stands the test of time. Like it still, it still sounds like a classic, like 80s. It definitely like sounds like where it's placed, like where it was made, but it definitely works. It still is like fun to listen to today. It doesn't, you know, get boring. It's just interesting to listen to. It's, uh, you know, it's, you know, a beautiful piece of art. Um, I think this is great. This is definitely a classic. This is a five on five for me. Um, so yeah, I mean, lyrically, I know I'm not like saying the most impressed. It's just, it's so all over the place and airy. It's just, it sounds like if you were at a live show and they were doing their thing though, mm-hmm. it would also be like a wonderful time. So sick. It's just like nothing wrong with my leg. I'm just a b-boy limping. Got arrested at the Mardi Gras for jumping on a float. My man MCA's got a beard like a billy goat because at the time he had a beard that was kind of like a billy goat's. And then, ooh, ah, is my disco call MCA. Uh-huh, I'm getting rope, y'all. And it's just like, it just kind of feels like they're just popping off and finishing each other's thoughts in this like seamless clusterfuck. And I, I really enjoy that, you know? I like when they're like, Mike D with your bad self running things, what's up? With your bad breath onion rings. And that's how they start the second verse, telling Mike D his breath stinks. And then he's like, well, I'm back from the dead, chilling at the beach and down at Club <laughs> Med. And then they just keep going. And you're Su- like, well, okay, that makes sense then. And then suckers be <laughs> saying they can take out Adam Harowitz, Hurricane, you got clout. And I like that because they shout out the DJs, bringing in a punch. And then mm-hmm. I learned that clout actually just means a heavy fucking hit. Yep. As much as it means all the shit that rappers talk about in their clout chasing. But I guess clout chasing could also be like you're looking to get smacked in the face. That could also be a literal definition of clout chasing. I suppose so, yeah. Um, anyway, I like when he's just, it's just fun. Like, rope-a-dope dookies all around the neck hoo-ha got them all in check running from the law the press and the parents is your name michael diamond no my name's clarence because he's running from the law so he's not admitting who he is now Mm -hmm. and it's just goofy and it's just they have dookies around their neck like i understand this is like they're super wild loud like they're having a bunch i mean we're gonna in a couple of tracks uh talk about some of their wild activities i love the music video it's got yeah. the fishbowl lens. Their it's lips them, are like, so cherry. It's they look like they have cherry lipstick on for how red their fucking lips are. Like, I mean, they just noticed that. They're so, like, glossy. And they're just, like, they're just so goofy. They yep. make me feel not goofy for how goofy they look. And I appreciate that. Like, that beard like a billy goat is not the most flattering beard in the world. <laughs> um, in my opinion, it's not my favorite style. Uh, yeah, the music video is interesting. It's just them like goofing around, having a good time. It looks like they smoked a bunch of bats right off camera and then just fucking had a bunch maybe. of fun. Yep. And I think it looks like the video did look really fun. And I, like you can see both cameras like in it, or you can see the, not both, but you can see always like the other camera and like, you know, like they'll be like still talking to like one camera, like two of the guys, and one will be talking to like the other camera. And so like you're kind of seeing like what they're both doing at the same time. So it's kind of fun to kind of feel like you're there with them kind of i think that's kind of like the the feeling that the music video gives also it's such a classic visual effect i believe it was popularized by them i don't know if it was i believe it was i know when eminem (laughs) did the berserk video he was trying to call back to the fishbowl uh beastie boy style but i just think it looks like a goofy like my mom would feel nostalgia vibes watching that video 
Um, anyway, I gave it a 4.5. I thought it was a fantastically fun song to listen to. The beat is just absolutely masterful. You may be going, why is it not a 5? There's the part of me that goes, I don't know that I would listen to this every day and like that emotional connection, you know, I'm not shaking my rompa to this. <laughs> I'd be standing at the wall yeah. at the show watching girls shake the rompa to this. I, right. I'd be like doing that in, 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 I mean, I could see how rompa shaking would take place. Um, anyway, it's a great fun jam. Uh, next up though, we're going to have a little bit of story okay. as we talk about Johnny Royale. <laughs> I feel like you could say almost the exact same thing about how they put their lyrics together in this track, about how kind of all over and random it feels. But because it's strung together around this story of Johnny Royale, it's Royale. Royale. It comes off like really fun and focused, even though it's basically they did the same thing, but told a story this time. What do you think about this one? Um, uh, this one's really fun. Um, it kind of starts off with like this cool breeze sound. So I like that. You know, I like when there's always like nature included or whatever. Uh, <laughs> so this is about um, a guy named Johnny Royale, who is a homeless guy that hangs out where um, like these guys live. And he's like the king of the homeless and he was a rockabilly star and he has those like high-end labels but they're old and they're maybe secondhand or like tattered or stolen or whatever you don't know where they kind of came from but he still kind of like has these like fancy items even though he's like a homeless guy um, and they kind of mention uh, that he may have been the original writer of blue suede shoes and like things like that like he was maybe like a somebody but like way back in the day and so and, but now he's kind of like a washed up you know homeless guy so that's pretty much what's like the story is about um uh with this one uh, but it's like it's just so like entertaining and like the way that they you know it's you know classic like it's what they're very good at doing um, is like the way that they can like bounce off of each other very quickly. And it's just like one line, one line, one line. And it's like, you know, they're basically like ending each other's sentences. And I think that that's really cool. That's so like tight and like, well, they're, they're just great at what they do. Um, so for me, it's fun. It's good mixing. It's an original topic. That's for sure. Um, I give this one a 4.5 on five. So yeah, what's fun is that it's like a real homeless dude and they made a fictional story and apparently Mike D pissed off Russell Simmons when he offered his golden Def Jam Records windbreaker to this vagrant and then um, basically Simmons thought this was a bad look for the brand and the building to have this bum wearing a Def Jam fucking jacket outside. So that was just a fun anecdote Rude. about the real Johnny Royale. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just goofy fun. And it's got like this another crazy mix of stuff from like Pink Floyd, Gene Knight. They, they sample Curtis Blow, Paul McCartney, mm -hmm. whole bunch of shit gets like put into putting There's definitely these a lot together. of Beatles stuff. And I think that's just really incredible. And like you can check on Genius, they have like a full list. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven different things got put into the creation mm -hmm. of this particular track. And that, and just, just from again, from like the sample point of view. But yeah, it's just goofy fun. It has like your head bopping. And like, what I like about this project is that 
As much as I said, I'd be posted on the wall watching the girl shake the wrong paw. You almost can't help it. It's infectious. You feel yourself start moving and you just, you don't want to sit still listening to this. But it's also like, it's just, you almost know the Johnny Royale of your neighborhood as you listen to this track. And I kind of like the super universality of it, right? Like, um, I know people with the fresh Gucci watch today that brand didn't get timeless or Ed, Ed Koch, I think is still around too. No, I may be wrong. Um, maybe. Oh no, that's, uh, that's the mayor. I'm sorry. I, I got confused for a second. I was like, I don't really know who that's that is. <laughs> um, but I like that line too, because it brings up a little bit, a little bit, uh, Oh, I remember that now. I did look into that. So he's even more over than my mayor, Ed Koch, because at that point, the dude was losing in the polls and about to get uh, elected out. And so that line was a politically relevant point and pointing at like the dated out of uh, out of like not being connected nature of this bum as well with his stuff. That was really clever, actually. Washing windows in the Bowery at a quarter to four because he ain't going to work on Maggie's farm no more. That's another relevant lyric that i don't really understand but i looked into it and it was like somebody's like anyway it fits on the idea of kind of cutting like hurting yourself to get away from doing that mundane work like right um living on borrowed time and borrowed money sleeping on the street there ain't a damn thing funny with the hand-me-down food and the hand-me-down clothes a rockabilly pasta which nobody knows and i guess it's just an interesting point there too because it almost sounds like in the real life version the beastie boys stopped and like talked to the dude and like got to know his actual life and story not just i mean if mike d's offering a jacket it's not just random you know and so it makes you wonder like how many people in the streets have a background that is just like i used to be a music star but yep. then boom 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 like hear I about am. these kinds of things that you know like they that you know that these homeless guys you know when you you know find out maybe more about them and like you know sit down and talk with a lot of them you know they absolutely all had like these you know lives before they were homeless people i mean maybe some of them you know they've been on and off of the street or you know whatever their story is um and maybe they've just it's just been like a lifelong struggle for them but some of them you know they definitely you know had their heyday so just like you know anybody else i guess (laughs) Um, and yeah, I like the line, he's better off drinking than smoking the rocks, and it shows they have their anti-crack sentiment going on. Yeah, and like this was when it was, And know, so, happening. pointing out, like, you know, it's better he's doing that than the next thing. He drinks where he lies, he's covered with flies, he's got the hand-me-down pumas and the tight eyes, and, you know, it flows from there. I don't, I don't know that there's a whole lot more to break down, except for, in the third verse... Donald Trump and Donald Trump living in the men's shelter. And I was like, that's an interesting, like, lyric to hear in 2020 when the dude's president and shit, right? Mm Because Donald Trump was brought up a lot back in the day. Anyway. Especially, like, you know, from, like, New York point of view. Because, you know, I think literally everything he touched turned to gold kind of at that point. Like, I think that... Well, he lied to everybody, if I understand. It made it appear that everything he touched, whatever. And then Donald Trump. So it's almost like... I don't know if they're taking shots at him or maybe it's it's kind of commenting on how he once was rich and now he's poor and he's living in the man's shelter. Because I think he definitely, he had Oh, that, that's uh, what that line means. Yeah, it's, that's clever. So it's like almost Donald Trump in his past in the way he was and Donald Trump because he's now where he is. Mm-hmm. Living in the man's shelter, Wonder Bread, Bag Shoes and Singing Helter Skelter. So he's into the Beatles. Another Beatles song. He asks for a dollar, you know what it's for. Man, bottle after bottle, he always needs more. He's no less important than you working stiffs, drinks 
a lot of liquor, but he don't drink piss. I don't know. It's just got this like almost empathy towards this guy where it's almost like instead of judging him, you know, just give him the dollar, let him drink his beer. And I just kind of like the goofy, airy feel where like they get into this more storytelling vibe. You almost feel like you're a little bit. You almost want to give him a dollar for a beer just to hear some stories <laughs> about his like rockabilly days and whatnot. Yeah. Um, sonically, I appreciate how well made this is. It's not really my favorite in terms of listenability. I think it's a great song. I'm giving it a 4.25 because this is where that objective and subjective, they just didn't meet 100% here. Anyway, I really do like the next track a whole lot. Mm-hmm. It's called Eggman. They like to throw eggs at people, literally. Mm -hmm. This is almost like a a song that is an homage to that. There's this anecdote where they're staying on the Mondrian Hotel on the ninth floor, and they just fucking, some guy pulls up in a fancy car. He gets out of the car. They just chuck an egg at him, hits him in the back of the head. He just looks around, gets back into the car, drives off. And it's like, man, the 80s are a different time, right? Like, it's just so innocent, though. Like, like, come on. All I know is there's <laughs> been no time in my life where I could go around anywhere and throw eggs at people and get away with it living in Montreal, Quebec. You could on, like, Halloween or something. No, for real. Like, I just don't see that <laughs> happening. Like, there's cops and stuff all over. Because there's what? kids Like, all what is over. the crime? Don't, you know, just being, like, a little shit? Like, <laughs> Like, that's all it is. I mean, like, I guess it's Being like vandalism or something, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's a, it, I could see how nowadays, if I threw... I'm an, sure there's like a, a If a I law. threw eggs at people nowadays, I could see how it would go as assault. Oh, my gosh. I'm I just guess. saying. It's just, it just nowadays. feels so innocent. I mean, I guess who it's hitting or whatever is the thing. But like, this guy's just, just being like kids they're just being kids they're just having fun and like who cares just live it up and i feel like i like you know like that's like pretty innocent of them to be doing that that's all like i feel like i just keep saying that they're innocent but i feel like that's just what it is yeah no but really i like this beat it's it's such an amazing beat um it's 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 funky. It, like it's kind of got the spacey feel to it. That bass line is infectious. Yeah, all of it. it is really really like. There's just something really cool to the way it all like comes together. All these different sounds. So when it's going that way with the way way, it's yep. got the theme of Psycho with that singular violin mm. sharp note, and underneath that has the jaws. Dana, Dana. Oh. And so it's basically two iconically scary things being juxtaposed ah, together. I don't think I caught that. I wouldn't have caught that if it wasn't for that like sample video I watched. But when you're like listening to it, you're thinking about it. It's got that shrill, See, constant like, like note of the psycho, and then Dana, Dana. It's just crazy. Dana, like you don't even realize and, how good these guys are because you don't even realize. Like <laughs> and then like it just adds to it, and and it's funny, right? Because the horror, scary thing is the Beastie Boys throwing eggs at people. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh. It's basically really, really funny to me. Um, But what did you think about this track? 
Um, I don't know. I mean, like right away, it made me think of um, the Beatles song, I'm the Walrus, um, because they talk about the Eggman. Um, so, and like, you know, they obviously, we've already seen them touch on the Beatles. Um, and so they're definitely an influence um, for them, which I mean, I, I think they're an influence for a lot of people. So that's fine. Um, and there's like a lot of like egg references and like egg like play on words sort of things like it's really cute um like the the family punk rocks the businessman i'll dog everybody with the egg in my hand it's not like the crack that you put in the pipe but crack on your forehead here's a towel now wipe i thought those were like just great lines like it's so well done and it really is. It's like, you know, they're really not doing a bad thing, basically what they're saying. It's, you know, it's not like they're, you know, sitting around and, you know, dealing or doing crack or doing drugs. Like, they're just out there having, like, <laughs> they're just being rascals. Like, they're just, you know, you can just wipe it off and then it's done. And, you know, you can move on with your life unless you get it in your hair. But, hey, it's also very good for your hair. So, you know, just enjoy that treatment. And um, so, I mean, it's, it's just it's just fun um it's kind of cool but like kind of weird and kind of goofy um and it's not necessarily like my favorite but it's very well mixed and you know it's just them being goofy i gave it a 4.25 on five so i find it really funny when you go suckers they come a dime a dozen and then they cut in with the when i say dozen you know what i'm talking about boy <laughs> dozen eggs and then it just takes that and reinterprets the meaning to be eggs yep. yeah that's right i'm the egg man driving around king of town always got my windows rolled down ready to throw you know i'm the egg man and i just like this is really it's so serious like it's such a serious track yep. it's fucking hilarious and just because you know if they say you're supposed to rap about the reality of your life and what you're really doing this is basically the beastie boys as i understand it a bunch of tomfoolery loving guys that throw eggs at people yeah at this era of their life like that's the worst thing that they're doing I, they really stick to the theme like humpty dumpty was a big fat egg yep. and you're like i guess eh? that is kind of what he is yeah he was playing the wall and he broke his leg tossed it out the window three minutes hot hit the rasta man he said blood clot um, what came first the chicken or the egg i egged the chicken then i ate his leg i'm like i don't like i don't know if this is the most profound track i've ever heard but as far as like that silly goofy shit goes it's pretty fucking unforgettable yep my name's yak and i'm throwing the yoke now they got me in a cell but i don't care it was what it was then that i got caught catching people out there and so just even if you get sent into jail he's throwing eggs at people that's right and i'm like man i don't know how to like it's it's like you, the first time you hear this you're like there's got to be like a deeper more profound <laughs> meaning or something no it's just what it is come halloween you know i come strapped i throw it at a sucker kapap <laughs> it's just that and that's it anyway it's a great track it's fun i, I mean i used up. to do like i used to hang out with guys like who would do shit like this and so i would kind of you know enjoy the kind of 
rascal type behavior <laughs> that they would do. And it's just fun. So why not? She grew up in the country. You couldn't do that <laughs> in the city. I gave this a five on five. I thought it was truly a great song. I really, really enjoyed it. But really, I have to say that more so than their goofy lyrics, it really is the combination of distinct sounds and crazy transitions in the instrumental that make this an alive and dynamically amazing experience. Good job, Dust Brothers and Beastie Boys. Mm-hmm. All right. You give your grade? Yeah. Cool. Why don't we talk about the high, high planes, planes, <laughs> drifter? Yep. All right. So this is definitely another story driven track that we have going on over here. Mm-hmm. And it also, guess what? Samples a bunch of shit. A bunch of shit. But what do you feel about this track? Um, This one starts off with a gun cocking. So right away, you know, I'm there. Um, <laughs> Throw in some gun sounds and I'm, I'm, I'm hooked. Um, you know, for anybody that's been around for a long time, you know, if you know, you know. Um, he's up to no good and he's just, you know, traveling around, stirring up shit. Um, and then there's sort of like interesting like sex noises, like um, sort of like mixed into like the verses, like in the background. So it's kind of interesting. Um, so it's fun and they basically just sound like a goofy bunch of guys you know just messing around and they definitely i was like these guys sound so white like they (laughs) so white whiter than me um they definitely sound very white it's just fun um and it's just like a different sound period (laughs) so um i i like um the last line in the song because it um you know it um samples a Ramones song and I like the Ramones and they're always fun so I think that that's interesting that they're sort of like pulling on the Ramones because the, the Ramones were kind of like goofy guys I'll like you know although a little bit more involved with drugs um or like you know harder drugs but um I mean I don't necessarily know that the Beastie Boys weren't but I feel like I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw that they were and I, th- I think I thought were that they were just like you know weed, weed smokers like they just smoked a bunch of pot is what I understood and yeah drank whereas a lot. the Ramones were a little bit uh you know needles and stuff but um but they had kind of goofy songs too and they were punk and whatever and like that's kind of you can see how they were inspired a little bit by them as well. So I like that they were kind of featured. Um, anyways, um, so overall, I feel like I got like lost trying to like listen and like focus on like the the story of the song, just because like there's so many samples and like their flow, like you know, just the way that they play it. Like you don't necessarily need to hear the story to just enjoy what they do which i feel like is is honestly i focus less on the lyrics listening to this album than most albums because the production is definitely the standout star and i think that that's a good thing and i don't mean to take away from the beasties here because the way they rap over that production like what they're doing is rapping on stuff that most rappers i know today in person not all but most would say you can't rap on that and the beasties proved them wrong yeah i mean it just makes you want to listen to it more just so you can catch every little thing and i think that that's you know it's it's great because it kind of gives you that you know it's not something that you're necessarily going to get bored of um you know if you go back to it again and again and again just to see because you're always going to find something new it's like you know a great film or something you know a painting or you know a picture or whatever um you know that it's, it's always something that's going to be new to you, and I think that that's great. Um, so I give this one a 4.4 on 5. 
Um, there's this comment on Genius where the person who put the description said, uh, this caper song is packed with mad references, mostly to old films. Fair. It's kind of like a white geek version of Give Me the Loot. And I thought that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> and I wanted to share that with y'all because I suppose that's kind of what's going on over here. It's got this high plains drifter, you know, they can't catch me. They're never going to find me. And I have to just give... I love this chorus, the way it's delivered. Because on the one hand, you have like, you know, almost one ear. Because I'm a high, high. And two of them are like bouncing off of the other each other. And then on the other side, it's like, because I'm a high plains drifter. And I'm the drifter. And, you know, he's just kind of like wrapping it out. And so it has that like panning effect, making it like a really standout, but almost layered chorus that's both obnoxious and nice at the same time. I really, I really like it. Um, pulled over to the river to take a rest. Pulled out a pair of pliers. Pulled a bullet out of my chest. I don't know what that's a reference to, but I kind of like it right away. Like it just kind of has this imagery, and I do enjoy their like more story esque feel. Like I think it's cooler than their vapid braggadociousness. Fear and loathing across the country. Listening to my eight track, I feel like that might be a, a reference to Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I don't actually know when that came out. But well, I think it's still in reference I to I think that. the book at least had been out. Um, I reached behind well, the scenes. No, it was definitely after that because it was Johnny, right. Johnny Depp. And he but was like, like, at least the book had been out at that yeah. point. Um, listening to my A-track, I reached behind the seat and snatched a cool from the pack. I'm a long distance from my girl and I'm talking on my cellular. Whew. That's so gangster, eh? Back in the day in 89. 89. That's what I thought, too. Like a cell phone? That's going to be like one of those big gray block ones. And you had to be rich and yeah. real, real something. Whereas, you know, I got a cell phone. Anyway. Okay, there you know, I got some. have cell phones. <laughs> I'm fancy. I have a cellular, <laughs> too. Um, and then she said she was sorry i'm like yeah the hell you were check out the rear view mirror check the gold tooth display check the odometer i was on my way it just sounds like a douchey old criminal ass guy but like it's done in honestly like an 80s comedy kind of way is, is how it comes off like it it doesn't feel hard it feels goofy in a fun way like somehow this still feels fun um and then i don't know doing 120 plowing over mailboxes radar detector to tell me where the cops is spend another night at the motel six it's five dollars extra to get the port on flicks you see what i'm saying <laughs> like it's he, it sounds like this is it sounds kind of like what would happen though like you can see how somebody's on the run from any walk of life and maybe they spend that extra five to bust one out because i i again the internet's not here there's no fucking porn hub if you wanted to watch <laughs> porn back then you had to spend that extra five dollars you, know, you had like a subscription to playboy like that's when it was popping you know nobody wants the magazine when the flicks are there it's like still images of women with bush <laughs> that's case. Yeah, but that's what they wanted. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, then I can t- somebody's going to be like, "Fuck you, women with bushes." My hey, favorite. yeah, I mean, go for it. However you want, like anybody. You do it? you, girl. Anyway, um, and then I concoct a black and tan. I'm on my brandy snifter. I'm a kleptomaniac, Kmart shoplifter. Anyway, I just love how he like paints out this whole thing in the second verse. Um, and then it ends up with stash to cash in a dash, but my gun I did carry. I'm seeing blue and red flashing deep in the night. I got my alibi straight. I pulled over to the right. So, oh shit, he's getting pulled over. It's escalating. The cop knocked on my window and said, boy, where's the fire? You got a mailbox on your bumper and a bald front tire. 
out of the car, long hair, your goose is cooked. Read me my rights mm-hmm. and my fingerprint and booked. And then he gets caught, and then, you know, it's not a good situation when you're a highway drifter. And it's almost like he's such a goofy, like, just the car is all fucked up. You can picture the movies that they watch that, like, led them to, like, Smokey and the Bandit and crap <laughs> like that. Um, good, old, good old movies. Making, like, DT driving at Grand Fury whenever I hang my hats my home and my past is kind of blurry. So it just seems like this mentality of a vagabond is really being conveyed here. Every dog has his day might be in front of the jury. High plane drifter, you know, I'm never in a hurry. Then, you know, he reads him his rights. He didn't notice. It's like, yeah, this happens all the time, dog. I get harassed by cops. Like, it's just a matter of fact. Like, it's got a humor to it I really enjoy. Threw me in the tank with a drunk called Otis. That's only because it rhymed with this. There's no other reason for that drunk to be called Otis. Unless that's like a fucking reference and I'm just an asshole. Um, Could be somebody, oh, you know, somebody it's in actually, life. according to Genius, Otis is the lovable town drunk of the Andy Griffith show. Of course, it fucking is go. a thing. Look at that. The Beastie Boys are clever. With his five o'clock shadow, he smelled a three-day-old beer. My man turned to me and said, why are you here? I said, I'm charming. I'm dashing. I'm rental car bashing. I'm phony paper passing. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is amazing. This is a fun song. And then... It just kind of ends with that, like, Susie is a headbanger. And then just fucking, you're, you're just like, what just happened? This whole story, and then he just ends up in jail, and then, well, got his way out, and then steals a car, and he's off again to go be another highway drifter. And it just feels, like, kind of fun and airy, and I like it. Yep. I like it a lot. I give it a 4.5 on 5. I'm truly happy I listened to it. You're right about the beat. It has a lot going on, but I think it makes a memorable and incredible experience. Yeah. And then it transitions to one where you can definitely describe as a memorable, incredible experience. In my little opinion, we're going to talk about the sounds of silence. It's not silence, though. It's science. Oh, I wrote silence. Ding dong. It's science. That's my (laughs) bad. Sounds of science. It's just every time I read the title, that happened. You're like, what? What is going on? Like, just, uh, kind of like you just your head starts going back and forth you're nodding away you're like this is unlike everything on the album and i think at this point you realize everything on this album is unlike everything on this album it's so all over the place and that's magically cool because yeah there's a couple songs that stylistically you're like okay i don't like that one as much as that one you're still left with like you look at the list of samples, it's still got like 10 fucking things it's referencing, all sorts of Beatles crap here and a yep. few other things. Beatles and fucking Boogie Down Productions. like Perfect mix. Anyway, so like, <laughs> it's just all over. And then this song is kind of like a two-parter. It starts off with goofy, like, mm-hmm. Bill Nye, the science guy. You picture guys with beakers and shit, like the sound. I pictured beakers. Okay. And like When you say cur- beaker, I just hear... Well, I picture like science beakers. I know. Anyway. And then they're dropping, uh, so now here we go, dropping science, dropping it all over. And they have this like kind of swingy, goofy, slower flow to it. Mm-hmm. And my favorite is when he's like, expanding the horizon and expanding the parameters. It's like the lazy way that MCA drops that. Or no, expanding the rhymes of suck at MC amateurs. That's the line that MCA drops. And it's the way he does it with this nonchalant, like, this is too easy and we're all bored. And I love that, like, <laughs> flow they drop here it's truly like 
it's truly memorable. And like considering you're, you're so used to the like nasally, 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 <laughs> this was just fun to like get something completely like different out of that same kind of like just the way this I don't know slowed down. It's almost like it got deeper a little <laughs> in okay, terms yeah. of it. Um, I don't know. Not Noggles, Isaac Newton, a scientific easy. Ben Franklin went the kite, getting over the key. I'm like, okay, now you're just saying science shit. <laughs> but like, what they're trying to convey is that the music they're using employs the sounds of science, which is all of this mixing technology and everything into their voice. So what they're delivering to you is quite literally the, the sound sounds of science. Of science. And I like when they go, because I'd be dropping the news, silence, and I'd be kicking the knowledge. An MC to a degree that you can't get in college. And I love that, because he's like, check it, being an MC is not just something you go to school and learn. It's like, we kicking it, we got the knowledge, but this is something that you don't just get out there. Like, you have to get it in a different kind of way, almost. So you're, like, born with it is usually, I guess, the implication. But usually you learn it and you study it and you attain the math skills. Right. Anyway, what do you think about that? Um, I mean, right away, like, I'm, I mean, like, I've, I've grown up listening to the Beatles my entire life. I can probably, you know, recite, you know, most, most of their songs and, you know, could probably... I've seen like you know their movies numerous times, um, so much that I can probably like tell you exactly what's happening and then like say what the guys are saying. Um, so like right away I picked up the beat was from uh, when I'm 64, which was like their song like the ding. Well, not that one, but like the one that's underneath it. <laughs> like if you know it, you know it. It was back in the USSR when that's I'm later 64. On. Yeah, so like right at the be at the beginning it's um, when I'm 64, um, which is a fun song go listen to it why not um if you don't know it or if you do go listen to it again um so they're rapping basically about um science related facts and people and things like that um but it sort of sounds like they're always sort of making fun of things but i don't think that they are it's just the I way that they speak <laughs> but i think that what this is is they're dissing other this is one of those we're the best hip-hop songs mm -hmm. only they're going in this completely different direction with it yeah because what they are dissing is whack mcs who don't understand the sounds of science yeah and then um so like and then in like the second verse um well, before it there's the transition what? where it just like builds up and he's like robot dope <laughs> And then, you know, it's just fucking funny, you know, right up to your face and diss you, yep. waxing the milk and all y'all square heads, you know, like it just sounds like a challenge, like they're ready to fucking fight and mm -hmm. then the beat flips up. Yep. And then the beat, um, you know, it, it definitely, it sounds totally different. It's faster. And then another one is uh, back in the USSR is mixed in at that point. Another great Beatles song. Go listen to it. Um, you know, if you don't know it or if you do, like I said, um, you know, I really like the way that they um, play with the mixing. It kind of leaves like this fun feeling in you. And I like, I like that. I don't know. And honestly, I have, I, again, like I have no idea what this song is really about, um, but it's just fun to listen to um, in my opinion. So I give this a 4.6 on five and I definitely like this one um, a whole bunch because I appreciate all of the Beatles uh, samples, which is probably a big part of why white people like them. Anyway. <laughs> 
Um, I think it was just goofy, again, in terms of the rhymes, like, time and money for girls covered with honey, you lie and aspire to be as cunning. Well, actually, that's pretty clever, just trying to talking about gold diggers and, you know, mm -hmm. liars and shit. Reeling and rocking, rolling B-size D-cups. That's funny, because they stuff bras and shit. Yep. Order of the quarter deluxe. Why don't you wake up? My mind is kind of flowing like an oil projector. Had to get up and get the Jimmy protector. It's very good mm -hmm, to use condoms. Mm -hmm. Went berserk. This it was worked like the and exploded. Era. She woke up in the morning and her face was coated. What he's trying to say right there is he fucked her and nutted on her face. Ew. <laughs> no, that's fine. It's a good, it's a good whatever, place to Whatever end. you got to do. Um, buddy, you studied a man on the mic. D, do what you like. Drunk as a skunk. And am I from celebration to peep that freak unique penetration? Anyway, it's just fun, you know. And then the verse kind of ends with, and no one really knows what I'm talking about. And yeah, that's right. My name's Yow. And then it just scratches. And I realized in that moment, I know what the fuck he was talking about and why he said that, but I, you know, you can't forget his name in that moment. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, they, they like to fuck and the, you know, the music comes off. But I also like when they're like, I smell weak because y'all keep popping and people ask me, what's the phenomenon? And it's like, you just feel like, as much as these are some goofy ass white dudes, they really are not like intimidated by hip hop. They're in a position to come rhyme and do what they got to do is what it feels. Um, and then third verse is fine. I like when he goes, rock my Adidas, never rock Fila's. And I understand that at the time there might be a reason for that. But if you click on the genius annotation, there's just a bunch of pictures of them rocking Fila. <laughs> so it's, it's fine. But that was like later on. Yep. Um, I, and then there it cuts in with that great uh, sample. I do not sniff the coke. I only smoke the Sinsamila, which is from the Pato Banton song, Don't Sniff Coke. And I really like it because it changes the tempo and everything. But it also kind of like fits and then just kicks one ring. And then, well, with my nose i nose them with my scope i scopes and I, what i live i write and that's strictly rope it just kind of cuts back in so i like the fact that you know they're promoting a message of you know smoke that herb don't go out there and uh, sniff that coke and then with your nose mm -hmm. you should know shit and sniff out like truth or whatever so then live out what you write and then, I don't know, I got science for any occasion. And I'm like, you know what? On the album where you have the highway drifter crime story, you're throwing eggs at people, you're dropping this track, you have upcoming five chicken finger discount, whatever. Like, there's everything on this project. It's fucking diverse in a way that not many are this diverse to me. Anyway, it's cool. It's cool. It's a great track. I'm giving this one a 4.5 on 5. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It would... It would definitely go down as one of the more creative things I've heard since we started this channel in terms of out thereness. No, I don't know. You yep. have to agree. Yeah. Um, that's fine. Well, let's check out the three-minute rule. This is a very rap song. <laughs> and I yeah. mean, like, like in that, like, I would say this would be maybe the only song on the project that really feels in the more what i would call conventional sounds of hip-hop we've all okay. come it's got the yeah. three verse structure each guy does his own verse the beat isn't necessarily as saturated with like next level out there-ness like it really just samples that brave and strong i think by sly and the family stone and feel good by fancy from the album wild things and apparently it samples 
a live ping pong game. There was actually a ping pong table over the recording studio. We actually did overdub playing Great. ping pong. We put two mics, and I think it was me and Easy. This is Adam Yuck. Uh, easy Mike, Mike Simpson, if I'm not mistaken, just kind of volleying back and forth with the ball, trying to keep it to the beat. But I don't think we did stay on the beat very well. So literally, <laughs> there's a fucking ping pong ball in this. Beat. I heard it. It's right at the very beginning. I like. I love that kind of stuff. It's so like. It, like that's part of like what makes them so unique is that you know, like do something different. Play ping pong on your damn like song. You know, like I mean, why not? That, but like relatively speaking it's got a lot less samples but like that also goes that's fucking interesting and right? again like innocent like just fun guys who just want to like play have fun like they're just it's so great anyway each of these guys does their own verse uh we have mike d uh, he starts off with, I stay up all night, I go to sleep watching Dragnet, never sleep alone because Jimmy is the magnet. I'm so mm -hmm. rope, they call me Mr. Roper. When the troubles arrive, you know I'm the cool coper. And it's fine. It sounds like basically he's a rapper, he gets to get ladies. Um, and that seems to be the whole point uh, of his thing. I do like when he goes, dude, why did he? And bust in with the pre roll. And I'm like, no shit. He pre-rolls his stuff like an intelligent guy. Because you know what's always baffled me is when there's like eight or nine dudes outside a bar with weed. All in baggies. And not a single person has a paper. Mm. But every Ounce. Amongst everybody. No paper. <laughs> Show up with a pre-roll. It's just simple. Anyway, Customs jailed me over an herb seed. And that's another interesting point that he brings up because, like, it kind of shows a little bit of how ludicrous the weed laws are. Mm. Like, the fact that you have a little seed. I literally, that seed could have fallen on you on the subway on the way to the plane. And then they found it on you. And then, oh, shit, you got a weed seed. And now you're going to jail kind of thing. Like, in theory, that, that it's preposterous. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that that actually happens, but, like, it could happen. Anyway. I guess. Don't ride on your boy over some rat weed. I'm out of your back door. I'm into another. Your boyfriend doesn't know about me and your mother. Not perfect grammar. Always perfect timing. The mic stands for money and the D is for diamonds. And I just thought it was fun. You know, like, you get a good sense of who he is. It's braggadocious. He likes girls' weed and uh, rapping. And <laughs> that's what he's about. The MCA just fucking goes in on everybody. You know, roses are red, the sky is blue. I got the barrel at your neck, so what the fuck you gonna do? And I'm like, oh, he swore. I don't think there's been a lot of swearing on this album. But yo, he came in, you know? It's just two wheels and me, the wind in my eyes, the engines, my music, my nines by my side. I'm like, damn, he's going hard. Like, relatively speaking, this is the hardest shit we've gotten on this project. Because you know the why. Because you know why, A-U-C-H. And I love that line because the way he, like, punches on the why makes it, because you know why, like, the question. And then he spells yeah. out his name, changing the meaning to, because you know me. Yeah. I'm talking all MCs out of place, etc. Anyway, he rhymes on through, kind of kills it. He brings up Bob Dylan, but he doesn't, um, he smokes weed too, by the way uh he also says i might be a little dusted but i'm not insane and i'm wondering if that's a reference to the dust brothers or if he did some pcp with his marijuana back mm -hmm. in the day 
I feel like it has something to do with the, the Dust Brothers. Um, but people come up to me and they try to talk shit. Man, I was making records when you were sucking your mother's dick. Whoa. And I suppose if you're in the Beastie Boys at this point, you have been making music for a significantly lengthy period of time. So to have some punk kids coming up to you and talking shit, I guess it might put you in a, in a mood. Yep. And then I love Ad-Rock's flow when he starts this verse like girl you're walking tall in your fancy clothes you got fancy things that are going up your nose and your fancy gifts from expensive men you're a dog on a leash like a pig in a pen mm. and i'm like oof, that's hot it is but he's basically like okay i also so. wrote down those lyrics so i think that that's kind of funny but it's because like he's basically saying the coke snorting flashy gold digger types that yep. we get all basically the the pay to play types and maybe it's gifts maybe it's cash but if basically to get up your ass all i gotta do is buy you some shit you're in that category in this kind of conversation um and he's pointing out that yeah you you might have this fancy life but you're really just a dog on a leash which is such a clever way of getting around a certain word that you might have otherwise wanted to call her yep um I don't know. I, I thought it was fun how, like, he kind of attacks this kind of culture of it and then flips it, you because know, I'm running things like a Mac motherfucker. You slip and you slacking because you a false fake sucker. You slip, you slack, you clock me and you lack while I'm on, while I'm reading on the road by my man Jack Kerouac. Poetry in motion. I fucking love that because it's like he kind of flips it now and it's like he's talking shit against other MCs or whatnot or fake people and how he's completely legitimate and you can do what you want you can fuck around but at the end of the day I'm getting my knowledge on reading like enhanced shit like on the road which basically is the result of speed and alcohol he just got really fucking high and went out there with Neil Cassidy and they had their adventures of whatnot and then he wrote that book well he's fucked up <laughs> So moral of the story is to my people TBR. who do a lot of speed and alcohol back in the days were like completely praised and then speed got vilified and now everybody hates speed. <laughs> like mad back in the day they was doing speed left, right and center. <laughs> I had no idea how much speed was in fucking music. And I'm like, no shit. That explained a lot. Anyway, but then that's why I like the poetry in motion line because that's kind of what On the Road's about. It's literally poetry kind of composed in motion as they were traveling on the road throughout the United States on their adventure where they did their things. But then you got, you know, so Peace Out, Y'all, a PCP song out. And so I'm wondering if that, again, is the drug. But they got kind of dusted, felt a little kind of aggressive, came in and spit this shit. Like, I don't really know. But full throttle to the bottle and full a full clout in a mouth, like this sounds like he's gonna box you in the face. Because, you know, we learned that clout is a hit. Anyway, I really enjoyed this track. I thought it was fun to listen to. You know, I, I but like I feel like compared to the complexity of the rest of the album, it's a little duller. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like a palate cleansing break. And you kind of wanted that dullness because they put it nice right in the middle as you moved on to other stuff. So I like it. I'm giving it a 4.35. I think it's great on the album. I would never skip it. There's nothing I would skip on this project. Yeah. I would listen to it through. But like if I were to go cherry pick, I might be going to something a little bit more like Eggman just to throw on than let's say three minute rule. Okay. 
Yeah, um, I like how this one kind of, like I said, starts off with like the ping pong playing. It's great. Um, it's a little bit slower this one, and this is you know each of each of them having like a verse and like they're just kind of like talking about like themselves and how they're so great and like all of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, I like you know I touched on the same sort of thing you know in the third verse about you know the same lyrics. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, this one is less about like the sick mixing, um, although there still is some, um, and more just about like their flows and, you know, just the fact because of, you know, like that, that's like what is standing out on this one, you know, is more predominant, um, which kind of makes it like a nice change. Like this is just them spitting and it's a little bit cleaner. Um, in terms of like the mixing and that. So, I mean, that's just what I mean. So, um, I gave this a 4.3 on 5. Uh, another good one. Yeah. All right. So, I don't know if this is the same length as part two will be, but this is about halfway through the project. There's kind of like six more tracks plus a couple skits for part two, but one of those tracks is giant. So, whatever. <laughs> uh, it'll probably work out to be somewhere around this lane. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's where we're going to cut it now. We do appreciate you being here with us throughout this first half of our journey to Paul's Boutique. Um, let us know what you think in the comments. I look forward to reading your essays, DJ Black Hurricane. Um, anything else y'all want to say, I'll be happy to talk to y'all down there. Feel free to like the video if you did. Subscribe to the channel for more reviews. Feel free to check out that License to Ill review. And uh, yeah, special thanks to the patrons. This is Milka Damsey, Chris Powder, Jonathan Barnes, C.J. Black, Hurricane, Linda Williams, Coney Sparks, and Scribble. They're dope. They support what we do. Helped us get a new camera. Helped us get on Spotify, everything else. They also, yeah, they get to tell us what albums to review. Like DJ Black Hurricane saying review uh, Paul's Boutique. And so here we are. On, we're in doing that. Yeah. So if you want to help us get to the next level, well, that would be much appreciated and we really uh, have some expensive dreams this year that we would like to pull off so uh, it would be dope and uh, you can also check out my music I make albums myself yeah, they're all on Spotify and whatnot. I dropped a project in October called The Alternative Grind by myself Holden Stefan Roy it's also got stuff on this channel you can check that out let me know what you think anyway live long and prosper everybody bye guys